0: Good evening. So we're at the end of our
1: retreat, or close to the end of our retreat. We've had three full days of exploring our inner and outer nature. And so the quiz at the end of the retreat is,
0: Who are you? Who are you? Or what are you? Fortunately,
1: this quiz will not be... um, or grounds for leaving, or the answer to the quiz, <laughs> the correct answer is not grounds for you
0: leaving. But maybe you've had that reflection who am I?
1: What is this mysterious thing called me, self, I? Who am I in relationship
0: to this unfathomable, complex, mysterious world? So in Dharma teachings, teachings of the Buddha, this is one of
1: the central explorations and inquiry. What is this self? What is the nature of being human? What is this human condition? But I give a name,
0: I associate a personality and history to. Hopefully this has been in some ways part
1: of maybe indirectly your practice and reflection and meditation this week. It's one of the great imponderables and mysteries of being human to explore what does it mean to be an awake human being? What is this mystery, this complexity of humanity? And this is a lifelong exploration. It was the central questions the Buddha explored. And his understanding of the nature of the human conditions is what led to the fruition of his awakening. Understanding the way the mind constructs a sense of self, a sense of I, a sense of me, separate from everything else. Mark Twain once wrote, We do not deal much in fact when we are contemplating ourselves. Think about all the stories and dramas and tales and narratives about yourself and your life and your identity and your projects and right? a lot of stories. Right? And if you have a critical mind, anybody got a judging mind here, self critical mind? Those stories usually much less true. But how many of those stories and ideas do we believe them to be true?
0: Take them to be who we are. So part of Dharma practice is to
1: explore, understand this nature of self. Not to get rid of the self, which is often talked about in spiritual circles. You can't get rid of the self. Understand the constructed nature of self, that the sense of self is a construct. I'm not going to go into that domain so much, but I want to talk about the, how we experience ourselves and understand dimensions of
0: ourselves through being in nature the buddha said to
1: understand this self that is not permanent not separate not independent what does he mean that this self me my is not separate, not independent, not permanent. We like to think of ourselves as permanent. This is me, I look in the mirror every day. Yep, there I am. Seems pretty real, seems pretty solid, seems pretty continuous in time. But when we look a little closer, we get to see that this this constellation of experience we call myself is actually quite ephemeral, quite mysterious,
0: much less concrete than we take it to be. When the uh, wanderer
1: named Bachagota was inquiring to the Buddha about the nature of self, as people do in spiritual inquiry. And he asked the Buddha, is there a self, a wise teacher? The Buddha was a renowned teacher. And the Buddha remained silent. And Vachagoda said, well, is there not a self? Does a self not exist? And again, the Buddha remained silent. And Vachagoda got frustrated and walked off. And who was the Buddha's cousin and... uh, the uh, um, attendant, and friend, um, for many, many years said to the Buddha, why didn't you give him an answer? You know, a wise one, you know, he expounds you know, voluminously about these things. <laughs> why didn't you give him an answer? And he said, if I'd said yes, or if I'd said no, it would have led to further views, views and opinions about the self. And his teaching, his practice, is not about developing further views. It's actually really to understand reality, not to to cement
0: views and opinions. So he left it ambiguous in a way, you could say. so we come to this retreat we come to
1: practice outdoors we come to immerse ourselves in in nature in natural landscapes and hopefully you come to see as traditions for millennia indigenous cultures for millennia have come to view view nature as a teacher guide source of tremendous perennial wisdom Lovely line from the poet Kabir. He says, "When the eyes and the ears are awake, even the leaves read like even the leaves on the trees read like pages from the scriptures. When the eyes and the ears are awake, when we're present, the leaves, the trees, the grasses, the clouds, the earth itself uh, spouting wisdom, truth." for dharma literally means nature the
0: nature of things the way of things
1: the Tao. one of my sort of heart teachers you could say in this tradition is Ajahn buddhadasa who was a thai forest monk very renowned scholar and gifted teacher beloved teacher in in thailand and he um, after getting tired of living in the city and dealing with the well, long story he moved away from the city into the forest in southern thailand and founded a monastery called Wat Suan mok garden of liberation a beautiful jungle forest monastery and when um, people friends would go to study with him he would say
0: go find a kuti in the woods go find a hut in the woods Sit and walk and let nature discover your own nature. Find your own nature in nature. So I love that. I think of spirit rock. And the nature here is a garden of liberation. It's offering us gifts of wisdom, clarity, discernment. So...
1: One of the main ways that we misperceive, and, and a lot of practice is really helping us to understand the way we misperceive reality.
0: We think what we see is true. We tend to believe our thoughts as true.
1: But so much of our conditioning is, leads to um, an inaccurate way of seeing and being in the world. You know, so we tend to live in, uh, in the realm of dualism, dualistic thought, of perceiving the world uh, as made of separate objects, separate things that don't have any relationship to each other. Right? From Descartes onwards, the sense of understanding this world is mechanistic and... Um, misperceiving the incredible mysterious complexity and interconnected nature of experience so when we come outdoors away from our buildings homes offices computers you know when we live in our in our domestic life are we surrounded by things that reinforce our sense of self and identity history and to some degree, sense of separation. And when we go outside, we tend to become more aware of a world that that is much more tangibly interwoven, interconnected, and then hopefully you've been experiencing that in these last days together, maybe even this afternoon. So one of the things we might begin to feel into When we go outside with mindfulness, with a contemplative awareness, is that we're not saying we go for a walk up in the hills or walk anywhere around here. Usually we say, I'm going for a walk in the woods. I'm going to go see the meadows. I'm going to. We tend to think of ourselves as living on the earth, separate from the earth. As if us going for a walk through the forest, we are not in that moment the forest walking through itself. Part of the living, breathing forest. So hopefully as we uh, spend more time outside with awareness, we begin to feel into perhaps that we are of this earth.
0: We live in this earth. We're part of the earth's moving surface. We are part of the Earth's moving surface.
1: Do you feel like part of the Earth's moving surface? Sometimes, but usually we feel like we, this separate thing, is on the Earth, walking around, interacting with living things. We are actually bound by the force of gravity to be in this moving landscape of Earth's surface. So notice what happens if if that is a novel concept for you. I'm not on the earth, but I'm of the earth. I'm from the earth. Well, we know we're from the earth. Where else could we be from? We're actually part of the living, moving landscape. It's a poem from Mary Oliver speaking to this a little bit. She says, This morning the beautiful white heron was floating along above the water, And then into the sky of this, the one world we all belong to, where everything sooner or later is part of everything else, which made me feel for a little while quite beautiful myself. We tend to look at the beauty out there, the grasses and the sky and the trees. If we are part of this one world, if this earth has inherent goodness, then whatever is produced out of this has some inherent goodness, including... Guess who?
0: So hopefully as we slow down and, and move outdoors
1: with awareness, we begin to feel into how wherever we are, we're entering into relationship. We're entering into a reciprocal relationship with life. When we're in here, we're in reciprocity with each other. We're in silence, supporting each other's practice. When we're outside, we're seeing and hearing, smelling, tasting, touching. But what we're knowing what's out there to some degree, if we're present, but we're also being known. We're knowing and being known. And I've been trying to share this a little bit in the groups that I've been leading that when we when wherever we are whichever setting we're in we become part of that landscape to so the bird life that's around they're very aware of suddenly 30 some two-legged walking around and the gophers and the snakes and the insects are feeling our vibration as we thud along the ground we're being know- we're knowing and we're being known right? and when we when we open to that sense of being known, that we're participating. We're not just going out having an experience for myself. No, we're entering into an alive relationship with life. It can soften the sense of separateness and rigidity. The most tangible way you might notice that sometimes is if you're walking in nature Where there is um, uh, a predator that um, you feel vulnerable around. Like if you're walking in brown bear country, grizzly country, polar bear country, cougar country, and you're walking, and you know, you're walking, you're hiking, you're enjoying the nature, but you're also where you might be being known. (laughs) That enhances awareness. That lights up your attention. Right? Suddenly you realize, oh, I am being known. Probably smelt, sensed, heard. You know, if you're in cougar country, you won't see the cougar, but it will know your presence. It will smell you, see you, maybe track you sometimes. So it's a beautiful um, understanding or way of um, feeling into... Uh, softening the sense of the rigidity of me doing something in nature to me actually entering into this which is always true an alive living relationship so another I'll just share a few lines from this poem uh, from David Wagoner called Lost um, beloved nature poem and he says stand still so imagine you in the forest close your eyes imagine you in the forest stand still the trees and the bushes ahead are not lost. Everywhere you are is called here. You must ask permission to know it and be known. Listen, the forest breathes, I have made this place around you. If you leave it, you may come back again seeing here. You must
0: know it as a powerful stranger. towards the end of the
1: poem he said stand still the forest knows where you are you must let it find you stand still the forest knows where you are you must let it find you so that's a very different experience from me going to find the forest i'm going to let myself be found i'm going to let my sense felt myself be sensed and discovered i'm going to know my place in the family of trees so this sort of experience often happens quite naturally in a relaxed way but there are many doorways to explore this understanding and the buddha had many ways of uh, exploring the nature of self one of which was the elements the four elements which some of you probably had experience with how many of you have done four elements meditation few of you yeah way of understanding our um, interconnected nature of self that we like every life form made up of the elements of earth of water, of fire, of air. Earth, water, fire, air, common, common to all elements. So today, when we were sweating, because it was hot and it was sticky, right, that sweat is this you know, similar, not a salty, but similar salinity to the ocean. Right? When we're drinking this lovely water, right, this water, there's clouds, there's rain, Mmm, tastes like Mount Tamalpais, which is where most of the watershed is for Marin. It tastes a little like the Eel River. I can feel I taste the stones in the river. Mmm. Right? And as you drink this water, after a few days, right, we're mostly water. We've sweated out a lot of water, <laughs> and we've drank a lot of Mount Tamalpais watershed. After so many days, we are mostly Mount Tamalpais watershed. And I love backpacking and camping by a stream for a week and drinking from the same stream or the same mountain lake. And we're thinking after a week, I'm mostly that mountain lake. And it's not just a nice idea, it's actually true. Right When we're eating the earth called lunch, called lentil soup, right? that is becoming your appendix, and your gallbladder, and your toenails, and your marrow, and your earlobes. Literally. It'd right? be great if we can actually see, well, here's a little bit of uh, lettuce, and here's a little bit of salad dressing down there. And, right? But we have this, as Einstein calls, optical delusion of consciousness, where we think, there's food, I eat it, I poop it out, and I'm me. And I drink this water, and I pee it out, and I'm me. And somehow it doesn't have any relationship to me, even though we know intellectually it does. So when we're sitting outside, and we're sitting with our sip bones, with minerals in the bones, sitting on the hard rock of the earth, we can feel that we're not so separate from the earth element. When we're breathing in this beautiful, fresh air in the morning, it's cool and moist, oxygen released from trees, breathing the air, the air element, the wind element, breathing in oxygen from the trees, releasing carbon reabsorbed by plants. We're not so separate as we think we are. We're all breathing the same air, breathing with the plant kingdom. Or right? as our bodies are heating and melting, right? not separate from the sun, ninety-three million miles away. Like the warmth in your belly right now, not separate from that fire element. It's kind of wild that the fire element that's burning deep in space is actually in my belly. Your belly, our bellies. Now I've just got the sun here. When we breathe out, we are changing the atmosphere. Climate change, a little more carbon in the air. Where's the atmosphere? This is the atmosphere. It's not some abstract thing up there. We are atmosphere, we're breathing atmosphere. Our lungs are part of the atmosphere, not so separate. So notice what happens when you start to feel into that, that the air in our, in our lungs and the oxygen in leaves being released, not separate. Another doorway the Buddha spoke to understanding the nature of reality and the nature of ourselves, that understanding how everything arises out of causes and conditions. Nothing is isolated and separate. We call this thing a bell. It's a it's a you know a conventional name that's given to a certain form that makes a sound. But this bell has innumerable causes and conditions, including the 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 mining of metals and the hammering and the whole history of music and creating of beautiful sound objects and uh, the, um, the, the Zen tradition from which it was you know, inspired in Japan and on it goes. Everything arises due to causes and conditions. So when we're sitting outside, that is so much more obvious. The sun rises and then the flies start Getting lively, and the mosquitoes come out because it gets hotter. And the sound changes, and the air changes, and then our bodies change. And we, we, when live, having lived here for many years, I see the seasons. Right, you see the. You know, this beautiful fecund spring. Spring arises and the regenerativeness of the the grasses here that look so dead and bound and drought-stricken in summer and fall and then suddenly some peppering of rain and suddenly this flourishing of green emerald life and flowers and beauty. Causes and conditions. Spring doesn't arise out of nowhere rises out of the changing of the sun and the season, the cycles, and the life regenerates because of what's died and fallen in the fall, in the autumn, of leaves going into the soil and becoming compost and manure and fertilizer for new life. And everything is arising out of causes and conditions. So we can see this in ourselves, again, the way that we're not so separate, not so independent. Not, we're not an island. We're not isolated. We're always in, uh, in a kind of a...
0: We're like a pinball, really, you know, in a pinball machine. Now think about all the causes
1: and conditions that allowed you to be here in 2022. Right? All the people that you talked to, the books you read, the... Teachers, the apps, your curiosity about meditation. The, right? And you could trace that back to who told you and who told them and where they studied and who was their teacher and what book they read. And it goes back to the history of you know, humanity.
0: And we're eating our salad
1: for lunch and we're eating some beautiful you know, offering, whatever it is, spinach or something. And we can look deeply into the spinach and see it took 13.7 billion years to make your lunch, right? The the whole history of the universe is in a single spinach leaf, not separate.
0: This is a lovely
1: poem from uh, poet Tyler Kent White. Speaking about this theme, she writes, actually, I don't know if it's what the gender is. One night when you're just a star, someone hung every hope, every wish, every dream they ever had from your limbs. So if you ever feel inferior, ever start to doubt your beauty or brilliance, just remember. You have constellations lining the cathedral walls of your chest. A moon for a heart and the sunlight pouring through your skin. You are a symphony of stardust and you are born to shine. You're a symphony of stardust and you're born to shine. And it's beautiful poetry. And we are recreated stardust from exploding stars. No wonder you look bright and glittery, or maybe it's just the third night of a retreat. I don't know. But that's not how we see things. We see things as this is a bell, this is a table, this is a person, and they don't seem to have any relationship. Right? Thich Nhat Hanh does this thing in this teaching. He says, What is this? What is this? This is not a test, but it sort of is. <laughs> what is it? Piece of paper. Right, great. you passed. OK, next. Okay. What is this? Tree.
0: Right. You get two gold stars. What is this? Or what else is this?
1: All the four elements, right? Earth, water, fire, air. What else is this? Hmm. Wisdom. that's on that side. That's that too. <laughs> What else is this? It's sunlight, right? It's rainfall, it's clouds, it's oceans, it's, it's loggers, it's pollinating insects, it's exploding supernovas. Right? Literally, in some form, in deep time, like I was looking at this, this ceiling, right? What are we sitting under? What is
0: that? We're sitting under a forest. We're we're sitting on a forest.
1: Different forms, right? Without trees, no wood. Without no wood, no floor, no building. So, to make this a little less abstract, if it's sounding abstract to you, so understanding how causality works in our immediate experience. Especially when we're outside, because as we I think we've spoken to, when we're indoors, we try to sort of not we try to stop impermanence happening. Right? Anybody who owns a home knows that that's impossible. (laughs) Homes, buildings, anything has atrophy within it, and so all constantly decaying. When we're indoors, we try to protect ourselves from changing elements. When we go outside, we're exposed to change to life and we feel how intimately influenced we are in every single moment i was recently i think i mentioned i maybe i I don't um that i was just in the sequoia national park before i came this wonderful national park these astounding ancient trees one two three thousand year old trees 100 feet around as tall as well way taller than these buildings and I get up early and I'd walk in the forest and nobody around, just bears. And, um, and it was just profoundly silent. And my whole being became so silent because the, the presence from these Buddha beings, these tree beings, tree family. And then I would see bears. I saw, and one day I saw nine bears, different and mama and cubs, and another mama and cub and male bear and, And at first, I'm feeling delight at seeing the bear cub, and I'm thinking, "Oh, there's a mama close by," and then I'd see Papa Bear bumbling out of the woods, and then suddenly I'm in fear, in trepidation, cautiousness. First, in a moment, I was in ecstasy, and then suddenly, self-preservation. Or out here, when you're sitting in the woods, you first go up into the meadow or wherever you are, and you sit down and you feel the stillness of the night permeating the stillness of the morning and internally maybe you felt had busy work meditation you were worrying thinking about something yet to the meadow and suddenly ah oh, I start to feel really quiet I start to feel really still or suddenly a, a house finch starts singing this gorgeous beautiful song competing with the other males in the treetops and they're having this little duet and you export it into rapture. That is dependent arising, that's causality. A bird blooms into song and suddenly, whatever state we were in, suddenly we feel delight. Or you're sitting on the patio here, out there at the, 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 the evening meditations and you're gazing down the valley and you're feeling that sense of space and vastness and suddenly you feel spacious and you feel open and you feel as vast as the space, or you walk out after the evening set, maybe you go lie down on that bench, which is a lovely thing to do, I highly recommend it, and you're just gazing at the night stars, and suddenly you feel, uh, there's this great line from John O'Donoghue, he says, um, may you enter the quiet immensity of your own presence. So you're lying there, and you're entering the quiet immensity of the presence of the galaxy. And suddenly you feel vast. And then you're walking down the hill, it's night, and you trip over and you suddenly feel really contracted. (laughs) So we see how intimately uh, changeable, malleable, influenceable. There's this idea that I should be sort of independent and somehow that's strong and rugged. And actually, no, the nature of life is we're always influencing each other. We're co-creating, co-arising with each other. Right? Sounds arise, it triggers something. The sun gets hot, it, it triggers something. We feel a cool breeze, there's a, there's a release. Right? So we feel that, that, that causality in our mind. Right? We have a thought about work tomorrow, and suddenly, oh my goodness, we're in a flood of anxiety. We feel it in our heart as we're moved by, by the, the landscape, by beauty. We feel it in our body when we feel a little uh, ant walking across our thigh and it's really itchy and you're trying to be still because you think you should be good meditating you're not going to move but you're hitting the ant and, uh, and you feel really contracted. Right? So, how, how much power does that
0: little ant have
1: over your mind and your heart? So another way of exploring... The sense of self and the sort of the malleable porousness of it is with sense experience like when you hear a sound like when you hear this sound which is a really great sound where does the sound begin and end where does your body begin and end the body that sound is vibrating through your body where is the boundary to your body if the sound permeates physical matter? Where does, where does the air end and begin? Where do you end and begin in relationship to the air that you're breathing in and becoming part of? Where does this heat of the sun begin and end if it permeates your body and being? I love when I'm walking, is I teach at Vicito a wonderful um, nature meditation center in New Mexico. And my favorite thing walking through a ponderosa forest um, is seeing the old ponderosas lying down in the forest, decaying. You know, maybe it's a hundred-year-old, been decaying for a hundred years, and all you see is this line of powdery ponderosa becoming earth. Where does the tree end and the earth begin? Boundaries are permeable, malleable. Another powerful thing that happens when we go outdoors into nature, particularly the more natural setting, the better in this case, we go out into the forest, for example, and we go out into a world that's not busy selfing itself. When we're around a lot of people, there's a lot of people, a lot of identities, a lot of selves being somebody. Right? Being a meditator or being somebody, whatever they're being. We go into nature that doesn't have the same kind of egoic identity. You go into the forest, the oak tree over there, the oak, beautiful oak tree down there, one of the elders, we lost one of the elders, one of the elders down there, big boughs, big trunks. It's not saying, look at me. I'm like the biggest oak in the forest. And those bays are just like, you know. Second-rate. No, it's not doing that. It's just treeing, being, treeing, oaking. And when we immerse ourselves in a landscape, in a world, a natural world, that's not busily selfing with egoic identity, something of our own selfing egoic identity softens. And And then, for example, we can be sitting somewhere quietly in a meadow, like out there with a tree, and we just, and we can... Just things like it just feels like the boundaries, the hardness the rigidity softens a little bit and we're just with the tree looking, enjoying and then we might hear somebody coming down this down the trail and suddenly, oh, who are they? am I safe? Um, how do I look? Um, what do they want?" And suddenly that sense of self reasserts itself. I'll talk more about, a little bit more about this in a minute. But to notice when you go out into a, uh, into a landscape how that sense of self, notice how it can soften. And uh, a very important doorway of understanding the nature of self, and I wish I had more time to talk about this because this is really very, the most tangible in a way, is seeing the changing nature of self, nature of identity, the nature of who we take ourselves to be. The Buddha said, which is your true self? The self of yesterday, that of today, or that of tomorrow for whose pre- preservation you clamor. That which is transitory, is it possible to say this is I, me, or myself? So when you notice, uh, when you start to pay attention to this sense of self, me, you can actually see how it's always changing. Like maybe in the morning you wake up and you're super tired as I was this morning. Roggy, and maybe a little grumpy and like oh i gotta go to meditation where's my coffee not coffee and then maybe you sneak down and have a coffee before meditation and suddenly you're bright and it's like the the bright one is woken up and then the caffeinated ones are woken up and then the excited ones woken up and then you're meditating really enjoying the meditating self as and you're having a great meditation, and then someone starts coughing, and someone starts irritating you, and suddenly the irritated one shows up. And then, then maybe did we take birth in these different selves, a constant changing quality of experience? In continuation with that theme of, uh, as I was speaking about sitting with the tree, it's a wonderful um, teaching. It's called the Ute Prayer from the Ute peoples in the southwest. And um, uh, one of the lines, it says, Earth teach me stillness. No, no, at the beginning line. Uh, It says, um, Earth teach me to forget myself as melted snow forgets its life. Earth teach me to forget myself as melted snow forgets its life. When you go out into nature, especially when you're on your own, especially for a long period of time, especially if you have several days or a whole day or you're backpacking, you're really immersed in nature. At times, but it does not have to be that, it could just be half an hour and you're just sitting, you know, in your garden looking at the primroses, or the delphiniums, or whatever it is you enjoy looking at. And we um, become absorbed in things. We, we forget it, we, f- we temporarily can forget ourselves. Does that happen to you? Where you become absorbed in something, you're watching the swaying grass, or you're watching the sun, or the light, or the stars, and there's nothing else present except that. And you forget all about your worries and your pain and your dramas and your projects. And there's just swallows flying. There's just poppies poppying. There's just whatever it is you're absorbed into. And in that moment, we blissfully self-forget. Often the moments that we feel the most joy, bliss, rapture, ecstasy is partly because we've forgotten about ourselves and we become, a, we're just present with life, beauty, just what is. So notice that when you look back on experience that you had that was very beautiful, joyful, connecting, hopeful, opening, ecstatic, you probably notice one of the characteristics is you weren't busy being somebody, doing something, having an experience. You're just present. So there's a beautiful uh, teaching poem from Chinese poet, Li Po. Um, and he was a poet, writer, uh, hermit, and lived in the mountains. And And you'll hear from this poem, the how nature influenced him and his practice and his writing. And you can maybe when you're sitting out in the patio tonight, looking down the valley, you can think about this poem. He says, so imagine you're sitting on a mountaintop with lipo, well, just, just you, gazing at the sky and the trees, and he says, the birds have vanished into the sky, and the last remaining clouds have faded away. We sit together, the mountain and me, until only the mountain remains we sit together the mountain and me until only the mountain remains when we become present absorbed into something at times a sense of self that seems so real and solid just we see how permeable and ephemeral and transient it is another translation that i came across of this beautiful poem goes like this a very different translation, so be watchful of anything that's translated because you never know if you're getting the real deal. All the birds have flown up and gone, a lonely cloud floats leisurely by. We never tire of looking at each other, only the mountain and me. <laughs> we never tire of looking at each other, only the mountain and me. That missed the plot, like, big time. <laughs> Talk about reinforcing a sense of self. All right, That's like the Instagram translation version. I sit together, only the mountain and me, <laughs> until only I remain. <laughs> So, so so this is the the gift you've given yourselves of learning to integrate mindfulness awareness, sensitivity, receptivity in nature because you th- this is like think of this as like the beginning foundation of a practice for you which we hope you will take back into your homes, your gardens, your parks, your forests your oceans wherever you live because as we deepen in this practice this self-forgetting this sense of unity oneness dissolving into becoming one with not separate from this living breathing world becomes very available very ordinary very accessible our mind can quiet down sense of openness and sensitivity sensitivity deepens and it's available and it informs us about the nature of who we really are That's not this solid fixed identity and sense of separateness but actually this fluid morphus we're more like clouds than stones right changing influenceable malleable ephemeral and in the light of awareness when we see these different senses of selves identities stories narratives dramas that we tell ourselves over and over again We can, as it were, from the perspective of awareness, see them for what they are. Their stories, their ideas, their views, their their narratives.
0: They're not actually who we are. And so the last thing I want to say is, um,
1: there's a whole other sort of talk really, but I just want to touch on it because it's important. That another beautiful doorway to understanding the nature of who we are is through the heart and through love. And I imagine for many, if not all of you, in some way or other, I hope your heart has been touched here, right? moved, opened to feeling love or connection. Or tenderness or intimacy or beauty or awe or wonder or mystery, anybody is that is any and you had some of those yeah some of you yeah whatever language you put on that because again it's when when a heart is engaged, like I was sitting as I may have mentioned by my doorway in my room down the hill, and there's a swallow's nest uh outside the Door, and there's three baby swallows, and they just, and they've gotten, they've gotten bigger since we've been here, because now they reach out of the, the nest and they rest their beaks on the on the rim of the nest, and they're like. <laughs> <laughs> And and the, and the parents, the mother and the father, is so gorgeous. That blue and rust and black, and I just I'm just sort of swooning in love with these beautiful beings that come back every year, feeding, caring, loving, tending. And The same when I was with the sequoias, now just swooning with love for these majestic beings, like some sort of sacred sacred beings. And so when when we slow down or quiet enough, we can feel the heart open, softening, dissolving, connecting, loving, being loved, loved by, feeling the welcoming of nature. And again, that when we when 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 that love door, for want of a better word, is open, again, our contracted fear based sense of self or egoic mind, personality, softens in, the, in with the presence of love. There's a sort of softening of contraction. There's an
0: ease, there's a connectedness, there's an intimacy. And, and sometimes in that dissolving, we can feel part of everything.
1: Sort of Immensity but through, the, through a sense of connection, not through dissolving and becoming empty, but through fullness and love. And a lovely line from the Sagadada, wisdom tells me I'm nothing, love tells me I'm everything, between the two my, love, my, my life flows. So we can feel at times in nature, sort of opening, softening, dissolving, connecting.
0: And of course, when we feel that at, co- at times we might also
1: feel tremendous tenderness and vulnerability because we know that which we're loving is also being harmed and being uh damaged through our ignorance through not understanding our intimate interdependent connected nature, we therefore treat the earth as an object, therefore we have an ecological crisis and species loss, an ecological uh uh Devastation. So it's connected when we understand intimately that we're part of everything, that the earth is us and we are the earth. We not only love and connect, but we're also more inspired to engage and act. So that's enough words for now. So let's sit together for a little bit just
0: to let the words settle. And entering into stillness. And sing into the mystery of who you are, what you are, whatever that is. The mystery of our interconnected nature. Sensing your earth nature. so we can be both nothing and everything. Thank you for your attention
1: so one announcement um, we will uh, um, have some walking meditation now <clears throat> and then we'll have our closing sit as we did yesterday sitting on the front patio and there'll be a little guidance of kindness practice and then um Feel free, some of you might have more energy, so feel free if you wish to continue sitting longer tonight. It's a beautiful night to take advantage of the precious silence, beauty, stars. And then tomorrow morning we'll have a morning sit on the patio and we ask that everybody attend because we have some announcements at the end of that sitting about the retreat. So please join us for the morning sit tomorrow.
0: Okay, enjoy your walk. Thanks. Thank you for listening.